Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, doing, Internet? It is Monday, August 13th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 178. I am your host, not Austin Walker today, because he is taking a much-needed vacation. So I'm Danielle Riendo, and joining me today are Patrick Klepek. I don't believe he's actually taking a vacation. I don't. When Austin, Austin's definition of a vacation is not what any of us consider a vacation. So Austin's going to yeah. write Austin's gonna write a book this week. It's probably yeah, what probably. Back, I wrote a book. I made three podcasts. <laughs> Great vacation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong in the slightest. I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, also joining us not on vacation is uh, Natalie Watson. Hi, hi. And also not on vacation, Rob Zachney. Though I wish I were. Yeah. I think I'm we all do. to be. That's right. You're, you're gonna you going to be having a couple days. I'm going to the mountains. <gasps> I'm going Ooh. to California to okay. visit my family. Um, and then I'm going to go to Sequoia National Park for a few days. Um, Just cut those fuckers down. I'm really excited about, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. Start logging. Aggressive. Excuse me? <laughs> Did a Sequoia do something to you? Also, I don't like the way that word comes out of my mouth. Ooh. Sequoia. Sequoia Ooh. sounds like, I don't know. It's That it, sounds it, like a term that we're not supposed to say anymore in 2018. It's Sequoia, I'm going to say Sequoia, I'm going to get an email that's like, hey, I don't think you understand, like, the origin of that word. <laughs> uh, I like Sequoia, personally. I like the way it feels in me mouth. You know, Sequoia. Ew. sometimes Ew. you like a Sequoia in your mouth, and that's, uh, we that's started, what I'm we doing did on it, my trip. that's the podcast. Yeah, please, don't, please don't put a tree in your mouth. My banned daughter does for, it all the time. for life and... from Sequoia National. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that to the trees, please. I won't. I have a lot of respect for those trees. Those are our ancestors. You know, they're good trees. That's a beautiful place, and I'm very excited for you. It's interesting because uh, Kato just came back, I think, from uh, not Yeah, I think Sequoia, he was in but Colorado. He went out west to the woods as well, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, just all of us making these, you know, introspective trips out to the woods to, yeah. to think about ourselves, to think recenter. Be with the trees. Put a tree in your mouth. Who knows? <laughs> I slept no! in my daughter's crib this morning, so she would, or yesterday, so she would sleep another hour. Is that like, is that the equivalent? Just <laughs> getting down into a crib on the floor and just scrunching into a ball and then just pretending that you're going to sleep you are for so forty-five tiny. minutes. <laughs> it's the, you the, are the such a little tinier. man. The crib is tinier. <laughs> oh man! My daughter, I'd stay, uh, my uh, my wife woke up uh, feeling like she was coming out with a cold. Oh, no. I, was try- I was trying to buy her some time um, so she could sleep a little longer. 
But my daughter's been waking up. She usually wakes up like seven, seven thirty, and she's which is really late for a kid her age. Um, yeah. But she's been getting up at six lately, and I didn't realize that my wife was going to feel ill, so I stayed out at my uh, friends around the block like a little later than, than I would have responsibly oh, no. have come home. <laughs> and I just stared at my daughter when she woke up. She's like, I want. She's like gesturing that she wanted to get out, and I was like, but what if? <laughs> what if I climbed in there? Would you, would you go back to sleep? She looked at me and she nodded. I said, oh. "Okay." And I went and grabbed three pacifiers. So she had five. I was like, "Here's all of the pacifiers." <laughs> and I'm gonna lay down here. And it's it like the toddler sleep- equivalent, of like showing up with a carton of cigs, just being like, "Oh, yes. kid, we're yeah. having a classic night." Yeah. And it was one of those. You have one of those sleeps where when I when I woke up from it, I was convinced that I actually didn't sleep. That I just like laid there. It was just oh, trying, yeah, that's just a like, weird just sleep. trying to like buy my wife time, and I was like, "All right, well, that was only like ten minutes." And then I got up, and it was an hour and a half, and I was like, "That's not that's not how time works." But <laughs> apparently, wow, that's a very wholesome image. Is, yeah, the t- I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you uh, a copy of the image. I ha- I took a photo from our our camera. I'll, I'll, send it, I'll send it. I'll send it to our Discord <laughs> while I pass this conversation. Please. Very good, very good. I like that. Um, that sounds. Kind of nice, you know. I've been, uh, I've been. This isn't nearly as cute, uh, but I've been spooning with my dog every night because I'm like, I don't know. He's had some emotional difficulties lately. My little dog Drakey, and Aww. so we, uh, we spoon every single night now, and it's it's very cute. Although he gets very upset if like I don't want to spoon with him that night. He's like, he's a very needy boy, you know. Uh, and he'll try. He's a very tiny dog, but he, I'm doing a gesture, and I know this isn't great for radio, but he will try to spoon me. Like, he'll Aww. stretch out as much as possible and, like, try to wrap himself around me, which is very... He is half chihuahua, so to give you a sense of his size. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a that's a good... I gotta say, Patrick, good, very good. Yeah I, good. yeah, I posted the yeah. photo in the chat. Yeah. That's an extremely cute picture. It does, not, it does not quite uh, depict the... The uh, black and white of- is a little unsettling, but <laughs> otherwise... <laughs> I don't know what it is about black and white. It's like weird security cam footage. Like, I yeah. shouldn't be seeing this. Why yeah, do I have wholesome, access to this? Wholesome photo captured on security, you know, sometimes. Doesn't quite convey the level of anxiety in, like, my lower back area that I was oh, feeling God, at, the, yeah. at the time. But uh, yeah. I, I fell asleep and just ignored it. So Yeah. Very Fair. cute. See, in the paranoid, paranormal activity version of this, like, <laughs> this is the picture the family wakes up to, like, the next day, oh. and are like, who is that? Oh, no! <laughs> is well, okay, so my version, of, my version of that was, so I slept on uh, the couch so that uh, my wife could have the full, you know, because you're sick, you know, you don't want to, like, touch other people, and I honestly yeah. didn't want her touching me, uh, and <laughs> well, I don't want to get the sick, The truth comes you know? out. Yeah. And so... Uh, she's a real light sleeper and I'm a, uh, I'm like, I just, I can sleep through a thunderstorm. Like it takes a lot to wake me up. And so I was going to sleep on the couch so that the moment I heard my daughter in the morning, I'd wake up and I could go take care of it without her uh, waking up uh, my kid. Um, but I, and I don't know what I did, but I got up at like three or four in the morning and I must've like hit my foot against something. Ouch. So I got to go to the bathroom I didn't really realize what happened, but I come back and all of a sudden, like, I feel like a, like I stepped in some liquid on the floor. I'm like, oh, oh no. no! Must be some like some water or something that like, but which is true. Like frequently, there are liquids all over the ground because of a kid. And I look down, it's just oh, that is just a trail of blood. 
Oh my God! What is wrong with you? What happened? And like I, I retraced my steps. I, I I'm, and I'm cleaning up the blood along the way. I'm looking at my foot, and it's just got a cut on the top of like my pinky toe. But there's no sharp objects anywhere. Oh no! So mysterious. I don't know. It's I don't. That's it was not great though. Three in the morning, like. A slight drunken haze, like just cleaning up blood off the floor. What it's is not... this wetness around me? <laughs> yeah, the the phrase that goes through your head. What is this wetness around me? Like no oh. good story come goes from there. <laughs> that premise is not great. Never. No, no, definitely not. Never good. Um, I guess speaking of that wetness around me, gross. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Drake, well, that, I, mean, I was going to say. Yeah, I wasn't going to go there, but you know. Sometimes when you're you're on a date and you have a date over and your dog starts throwing up, it ain't it ain't the best. It's just not the best thing for. for well, that's the true test. Is like can can that person? <laughs> how cool is this out? person? How how <laughs> chill is this person going to be with my lifestyle? Are you cool with yeah. doggy vom? It's like no? oh, this is this is really a romantic mood that my dog <laughs> and my true. dog does like a. I'm sorry, this is he's dramatic. When he feels ill. I'm just going to say that. There is a song and a dance element uh, to Drake becoming physically ill that is, like, it's a little bit funny. I feel bad for him. I'm like, oh, poor buddy. But he, like, walks around. He does a whole ritual. It's, it's yeah, it's very paranormal activity. I think that's maybe <laughs> the, the way quick, to go with that. Quick possession. Quick possession. You know, we should talk about We Happy Few. Uh, because otherwise I'll keep talking about how gross my dog is and nobody wants to, uh, to hear that. So we happy few, it's a game that, uh, Patrick, you wrote a, a sort of an impressions piece about it last week. Uh, it was, it was somewhat, uh, it was not the happiest experience. You were not taking your joy while you were playing this game. Uh, I've been no, playing it I... myself too, but I, I want to hear a little bit about what your experience was like with it. Uh, yeah, well, so maybe to set the game up a, a little bit, like people's, uh, impression of we happy few uh like mine may have been like largely fueled by the marketing around the game mm-hmm. um specifically uh it had a trailer a couple of years back at uh microsoft's uh press event press conference whatever we're calling these things these days um <laughs> that uh depicted uh a very like bioshocky psychedelic british uh uh sort of like first person like action adventure game sort of thing like, you looked at it and you're like oh i just get a bioshocky vibe uh from this um and that like had a very it had a big impression on a lot of people. Um, but the moment you did any research about the game, because I think around that time that that trailer debuted, it was, the game was going into game preview on Xbox and was going into early access on Steam. Uh, well, the reality was that it was a, a very narrative light game, but it was actually meant to be a roguelike experience in which uh, like the what you were seeing in the trailer uh, about like this this uh, you know sort of alternate. Uh, reality where people are this, the city or society is taking pills to cope with uh, not wanting to remember elements of their past um, which as a premise has all sorts of problems that are probably not even sure. worth getting into we'll just accept, accept its yeah. problem premise yeah. on its own um, uh, that's just, it's just the kind of the, the environmental setting for it um, and it's not something that the game itself was going to sort of like deeply engage with. It was not going to be a meticulously crafted, uh, uh, like hold your hand through this amazing story uh, or just a story sort of experience that like, I think is sort of like a defining trait of like the Bioshock, like subgenre of the immersive sim uh, genre. Um, And uh, basically because of that response, they spent two years 
like uh, working on the roguelike part, but also like trying to build a version of the game that people then popped into their heads as the game that they wanted. And I believe that ended up being sort of a flawed foundation to build a game that like shows itself in the product that came out of early access uh, last week. Um, it was It's now available on PS4. It had been in early access on Xbox and PC, but now it's on all three platforms. And uh, it's it, it has a sort of a much more structured uh, game where you're, you're taking control of three different characters, uh, playing through three different arcs. I only made it through a portion of the first one because I sort of hit a point where I was just so deeply not enjoying the experience that the parts that I was enjoying weren't enough of a carrot to keep putting up with the other parts. And at the root of the things I was having trouble with were like sort of the survivalist roguelike elements that were still there um, that I found to be a hindrance to my ability to find the story-based stuff. And on top of that, a lot of glitches that were uh, not quite game-breaking, but like about as close to the line as you can get um, in a way that really infuriated um, like sort of my sense of progress and, and any enjoyment I was having uh, sort of engaging with the systems of the story or, or the setting. And so it was, yeah, a deeply sort of frustrating experience uh, all, all around because I, I really liked the aesthetic and, and in some ways I was curious about where the, the, the story was going. But I, I found that the, the amount of obstacles in my way were just created a wall too high for me to continue climbing. And I think a lot of that was rooted in having to use elements of a game that just were not meant for the game they were building here. And it, it just ended up really holding, you know, we happy few back in a way that I, I found to be just kind of insurmountable. I'm curious if <clears throat> basically the marketing plan for this game or, or, you know, basically putting together an amazing trailer that I think really did grab a lot of people and, and made them want, you know, the elements you were talking about. I wonder if that actually kind of screwed them <laughs> in a way, like, uh, you know, setting up expectations for something that, that this game was not going to be. And then they spent years, as you said, kind of grafting different, maybe possibly disparate elements together. I, I actually really do wonder if this is a, a question of, of that actually kind of, coming out and, and biting them in the ass a little bit. Yeah, pro- probably to some degree. I, mean, I want to make clear, I don't think they were being meaningfully deceptive. I don't think right, this is right. a case of a developer being like, haha, like we're going to promise people a, uh, this type of game and deliver them another. I think it's the case that the trailer they built like ended up like you know, putting up a, a signal to a lot of people that they thought it was this type of game. But you go and did any research, looked at the game page, walked any gameplay footage, like it was very much this. They were not pitching like a narrative-heavy um, uh, immersive sim in that way. And so I want to just make it clear that, you know, the developers a compulsion, like it's, it, this is not something they were doing to be deliberately misleading. I just think it was one of those instances where a trailer dropped into people's heads, like, oh, this could be really interesting. And then the developers thought, well, maybe we can try and service both. Like maybe we can find a way to, to make both of these work. And, you know, it's like the survival. So it's not a roguelike anymore. It's, there's no permadeath. Um, there's basically zero consequence to dying. Um, the survival elements that are left over, which involve like thirst and hunger and sleep, uh, they uh, all they do is just sort of cap your stats in different ways. So it's like you just have less stamina if you're hungry or tired. Um, and in addition to that, the, the way the, the sort of like the the pill popping, the, the joy that is like sort of rooted in the philosophy of this society, uh, based on different parts of the world that you're in, you may have to interact. Uh, with joy and so people can tell if you're not on joy and so when you are on joy you're kind of like happy-go-lucky like your arms swing back and forth like it's a it's a kind of a cute animation that is in contrast to like what is very clearly like very like dark and nefarious reasons that people are are, are participating in this to begin with um and uh 
as you you have the the door the joy ticks down and it's not like oh you take a joy pill and like you're good for like an hour like it's not it's something you have to actively monitor where within five minutes you're going to have to find another joy dispensary and if you don't happen to have spare joy pills and for some reason the game doesn't let you just grab joy pills from the dispensaries you can only take one at a time and i had not found whatever crafting option there was to build more joy on my own it meant that okay well if it was taking me a while to find like the door i needed to get into to advance this quest well okay maybe three minutes in i'm gonna have to go go and find a joy dispenser and oh no you can't run because if you run you look suspicious and so you have to then map in your head i have to make sure i have enough time to walk to the dispensary because if you then are uh your joy meter goes all the way down, you're going to be a downer. And then people notice that and they will turn on you. And it's not a case where like, oh, geez, like you've got a couple of minutes of being a downer before uh, people start. It's like almost instantaneous where like meter goes away. You're, you're, you're seen as a downer. And then they don't just hound you or like talk to you. Like they just beat you to death. And then you have to like respawn into the game and, and hopefully start, uh, start over. And so uh, in addition to that, every time you take a, a joy pill, you're filling up an overdose meter. And so if you just happen to be like mid-mission and then like, oh, you take some joy. Oh, well, now I've overdosed. And when I've overdosed, like it makes everyone really suspicious of me, which means then they're going to kill me. And like, it's just the parts where you, I, I, the survivalist stuff that could be potentially interesting works so at odds with the ability to like, what I usually uh, imagine is the appeal for these games, at least for me, is like, taking your time, like looking through all the drawers, like being meticulous and slow and deliberate. And all of these survival stuff is like, no, 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 like you need to be doing da, 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 da. And that doesn't really work, especially in the more condensed urban uh, sort of city areas where there are so many things that you want to stop and look at, but you are discouraged from doing so because, well, you better go, you know, find like a dispensary down the way. Yeah, yeah, Rob, you had something there, I think. Yeah, I played this like three years ago at PAX East. It's interesting to me hearing this now uh, because it's interesting the way that, the ways they the ways they change directions, but also despite all those changes, the way the same problems that were visible in one of those early builds are still kind of breaking the game today. Like, <laughs> to be clear, I don't think as far as like the trailer screwing them a little bit, the problem is without that trailer, what you've got is something a lot like, sir, you were being hunted, right? Where yeah. like it was, we already kind of have that like uh, very British satire survival game. And frankly, like sir is better at it because it is more stripped down. It doesn't have this um, like stealth element that we happy few did from the start. And right there, it was, I remember being frustrated at how swingy it was. Where, like, the feeling you, I think I wanted to get from a game like this, and the feeling that it sounds like maybe you were looking for a little bit, Patrick, is that, like, dystopian, you've woken up from the nightmare, and, like, you're aware of it, but you can't let anyone know. You have to, like, blend in and, like, just try to navigate the society without getting, like, caught. But there needs to be some sort of, like, twilight space between being, like, compromised and being uh like so far undercover that you fully blend in basically being on yeah, the it's, yeah it's it, the game treats it as binary and there needs to be mm. more of a spectrum because there are like like you said like a part of the, the game's premise is blending in and trying to not let folks that you've like awoken to like the reality of what they're, you're living in so there are like potentially interesting systems like clothing right and so depending on different like sort of factions or like 
subgroups that you're walking amongst. Um, like there are those that uh, in the society that actually they cannot take joy, like their bodies reject it. And rather than society working with those individuals, they just exile them from the main city hubs and they've taken up residences and like uh, this is like a you know a post World War II um, a sort of like bombed out uh, sort of areas, and there are these occasional cities where things continue to thrive, quote unquote. Um, but in these other areas, like you can tell, things have been wrecked, and and there hasn't been work to like restore these areas. And that's where uh, different folks are, especially the the, the folks who, whose bodies reject joy. Um, and so you have to put on different clothes. Like if you put on like the nice tailored suit that allows you to get by in the city, like, people are going to be hostile and suspicious to you. So in, 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 the, in We Have a Few, you have to put on, like, some tattered clothes that you found. Um, but, like, that's the that's that's it. Like, that's all, as far as the system goes, is like, hey, just remember to put on this suit. Like, when you go there, cool, you're done. And so, like, We, we Have a Few, like, it's greatest, the great indictment is, like, not only just how much of the, the gameplay elements don't work, uh, it, it's more that, like, it's a lot of interesting ideas that aren't fleshed out to some measurable degree it's a lot of systems that if someone pitches to you on paper and it's why it works well in a demo or a trailer i think is like oh like okay i could see how this could all like work really well and like play off one another and you just don't see a lot of that in the game at least you know i put in meaningful time like i put five to six hours in like enough to to feel like i've like tried to get over any sort of like an you know initial humps of, of the gameplay and trying to understand how the systems interact and it just didn't didn't work for me and i found myself fighting it in, in a way that was really uh, uh, frustrating, but I will say, like, I still don't think it was like a bad idea on Microsoft's part to pick them up. I, I think there are, I think it's hard to tell. Like, had they just chosen a path, right? Like, even if like if they'd gone down this Sir, we are being hunted path, and we're just going to make this uh, survivalist roguelike game that has like a sort of you know a wacky British veneer around it, maybe it would have just been a good one of those. Would have had a smaller audience, but maybe they would have pulled that part off. Um, or have from the beginning, they decided, actually, we're going to, like, take this dystopic uh, fantasy that we're pitching and we're going to go full on. It's going to be a B-level Bioshock. We're not going to be able to give you the full Bioshock experience because of the resources we have. But we're going to try and give you a version of that the best that we we can. And so I think, given another round, like, working with Microsoft, we can give them more resources. Starting with a clear vision from the start and probably stripping away the early access bit where maybe halfway through you end up like diverting to the whims of the reaction to a marketing trailer, they, they could potentially do something uh, interesting. And Danielle, I'm curious what your thoughts have been on it so far as someone that, um, you know, you, you kind of looked at it a little bit as maybe like a, a walking sim to a degree, but with mechanics, I'm curious how you've reacted to to your time with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't put in the same time as you have. I'm probably about an hour and a half in. I, I am planning to play a little bit more, but it is not grabbing me the way I kind of hoped it would grab me. Um, I'm also playing on easy, especially after sort of hearing some of your frustrating experiences with it. I was like, I just kind of want to see what this is. I don't want to. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you can change it mid game, but I do yeah. know, like I saw them on Twitter, they were pointing out that you, they actually, there's, there's like a, a lot of granularity to the systems that I guess you can turn off. Okay. So I don't, I don't know if that means you could like turn off people's ability to perceive that you're like off joy, but like if I could have turned all that stuff off. Uh, I, I, I might've continued with the game. Yeah. You know, I, the reason I played it on the normal setting was because that's the vast majority of people are going to experience the game on the normal setting as opposed yeah. to getting really granular about the systems because five <laughs> hours in you realize, actually, I don't like system X, Y, and Z. And it's probably not great that like an initial reaction to a game is like, I want to turn off some of the main systems of this game in right. order to keep playing it. But anyway, right. so you're, yeah, you're, you're about an hour or so in. 
Yeah, something like that. Um, and I, one of the biggest things I've been thinking about with this game has been uh, a couple of years ago, or I, let's call it like a trend in the in the last year or two. Uh, I played a bunch of games that were sort of immersive sims, but with a little bit extra, you know, a little bit extra mechanical depth. Uh, I'm thinking about like Adrift, which is a game two years ago uh, that was very much uh, a spacewalk simulator. You're sort of uh, that was Adam. I think it's. What's his name? Adam Orth's yeah, game? Yeah, Adrift. Yeah, 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 Adam Orth's yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, where you are an astronaut in a falling apart kind of space station, and you're basically flying through that game, you know, as a, in microgravity. Uh, it's basically a walking sim, but there are, you do need to, uh, you know, have oxygen. There are a few things kind of pushing you along. It's a, it's a light uh, mechanical experience, but certainly had that in it. There was a game called Near Death that came out around that time that was, uh, you were, it was set in a sort of Antarctic base where you had to stay warm but it was largely uh and and uh like there were, there were a couple of other things you had to stay warm and you had to sort of heat spaces if you're going to stay in them for uh, any length of time so again kind of a walking simulator but with those sort of light elements eidolon a couple of years ago so there i've seen this sort of trend of like oh if it was gone home but with a little bit extra you know like a little right. bit more mechanical depth and i sort of approach this as if uh, and obviously, it was actually the opposite, you know, in hearing the story of how it was made. But it almost feels like that uh, in a lot of ways. That like, oh, this was a, a story-based game uh, that was, you know, largely about this world and this story, and has this other stuff kind of grafted on. Only in this case, it came about that in the opposite fashion, and also the me- the mechanical stuff doesn't particularly work super well, or it doesn't feel like it works super well. Uh, and to me, it sounds very much like an issue of pacing, that, like, the two types of game that they are trying to graph together are opposite-paced games. Like, a fast-paced survival kind of sim where you need to be very mindful and you need to kind of be running around and going from joy dispensary to joy dispensary versus, I want to, you know, be meticulous and look at all the notes and read everything and hear everything and kind of be in this world, which, that's a pretty fundamental uh, <laughs> thing to kind of try to bridge. And the other thing uh, I keep thinking about is that, man, there's a lot of stuff around uh, World War II, sort of post-war depression and drugs and drug use here that seems like it could have been really interesting, but would have had to be handled in an extremely, extremely sort of sensitive fashion. And again, being only about an hour, hour and a half in, I'm not sure if it is. I don't know if you can speak to that at all, Patrick. Obviously, you've been playing a lot more than me, but... No, there, there's, there's been some interesting. There. <laughs> yeah, there's been some interesting Twitter threads that uh, have done a, a deeper analysis of the story based on cool. the interviews and like their intentions. Um, I, I'll see if I can pull up uh, the one that was I got tagged in that was the most uh, illuminating for mm. uh, maybe wondering, uh, questioning some of the the sort of <laughs> some of the storytelling that's happening here. But I, I didn't get deep enough to really sure, say sure. too much about it. Um, the the amount that I had seen uh, was didn't set off any uh, alarm bells, but uh, yeah, I've certainly seen some Twitter threads that suggest that, uh, yeah, like maybe there's some stuff going on in this story that uh, would, would raise some eyebrows so, for some folks. So um, I'll see if I can find that Twitter yeah. account and, and bring it up later in the show. Totally. Yeah, I, I did see some discussion in our own Discord and our own forums about that, about there, there was an interview. I'm not going to misquote it. Obviously, you're going to find this, but it, it did it did raise some, some eyebrows for sure, uh, which is what it seemed like. All right, I, let's talk about another uh, very depressing game a depressing world uh rob you've been playing a game i loved from exactly the era i'm talking about uh with those sort of immersive not immersive synth uh, walking simulators you're playing the final station 
Uh, tell me a little bit about this final station. Yeah, uh, I just sort of got onto it following a while back. I uh, edited something by Cam uh, talking about the article about uh, how it's this little like 2D, not quite a platformer because it's not really into jumping, but it's like a 2D uh, exploration uh, post-apocalyptic game. Uh, well, actually, no, post-apocalyptic game is the wrong phrase, actually. It's, uh, you know, in the middle of the apocalypse, yes. uh, as, <laughs> as it were, which is actually kind of a cool shift. But uh, you play just like this working stiff uh, train engineer who reports for a shift and uh, begins taking like a like a commuter rail train uh passing it like you're basically like taking this Amtrak train uh down through this this country but what you know is it's 20 years since the first visitation whatever the hell that means and from the first like there's indication that there's an unusual interest from like government officials in like this particular train uh and then when you get to the first like major hub uh sort of their equivalent of like Grand Central or Penn um Actually, it's very much more pen because it's a total hellhole, and you get on the basement, yeah. and people are being <laughs> uh, people are being like murdered. Uh, but you go down there, and like there's like police barricades set up, and like there is there are people sort of being like detained on the lower levels. One person appears to have been executed, um, and all connecting uh, train trips out of the city are like canceled. Like you can't go north, which is where you're coming from. Um, doesn't sound great. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and so it each the, the, the pattern it follows is you have a little segment on a train where you overhear some conversations uh, among passengers. And then you watch some beautiful like pixel art backdrops uh, go by that are usually very evocative. And like often something weird will, will transpire there. Uh, and along the way, you have to like do little... You have to like tweak little things on your train to make sure it's all its power systems stay in balance. It's just basically you have to run up and like push a button until something goes turns green again and then move on. And then the train comes to another station that can't move on, so you get a blocker code, which means you have to explore the station and the surrounding town in order to find where this little four digit code is written. And that's where most of the action unfolds. And it's all this, um, I don't know, it's just it's got simple little pixel art graphics, but like. It's moody and eerie and foreboding, and it is so sparse, it becomes, like, very suggestive uh, in, in a strange way. Like, uh, you know, a thing that I actually kept coming back to when I was playing it was, um, you know, this, I, I, this is way too much my frame of reference for everything, but uh, it reminded me a lot of um, Roadside Picnic uh, by the Stragotskys, yeah. which is, like, all about this... Roadside Picnic is about the aftermath of like some sort of alien visitation and it's left all these weird like semi-magical deeply menacing phenomena behind it that nobody understands but everyone's created these like rules and procedures and systems for navigating that shit and that's how sort of everyone pretends this is under control and that life can go back to normal this world feels very much like that it feels very much like it's bureaucratic um there's a lot of like people like really not wanting to see what's going on, really trying to like ignore the fact that, hey, things seem to be getting deeply fucked up around us. Um, and I think it navigates that space very, very well. Uh, but it's also an interesting case of, like, it's a game I wish had a little bit less game in it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. God, I'm seeing a trend here today. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's... 
it's funny i think a lot of like pure walking simulators that are all about like un- unobstructed but like really guided uh exploration just start to bore me um what uh oh god what was the um everyone's gone to the rapture mm-hmm. is an yeah. example of like a game that is beautiful that is like evocative and just does not do a lot for me because like for me, there's just not a whole lot there to sink my teeth into. It's a very slowly unfolding. They should radio. have. Let, you needed to move faster in that game. In that game, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You needed a skateboard. I think they patched in like the ability to let you run well, faster. And they also <laughs> claimed that they're like, oh no, there's a button that lets you move faster. Mm, I don't know that. It, That's your definition of faster. That you look. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't need to move like Sonic the Hedgehog in that game, but I also needed to move faster than an actual hedgehog. But it's weird, because like, that is a game that I will often like look at and be like, look, not to be that guy, but like, if there was some sort of like thing you interacted with and had to overcome, or just like, to like, inter- like interact with to like understand some aspect of how this world works and like take part in that, that would be really cool. That never happens in that game. And I often think, like, boy, it'd be nice if that were there. The final station has this like combat, these combat mechanics, these crafting mechanics, uh, a lot of exploration. But after a point, I'm just like, man, I figured out the combat. Like, you don't need to keep throwing zombies at me. Like, I got it. Believe me. Like, we can we can just move on. Uh, ditto the rail sections. And so it's this weird thing of like those me- those mechanics, particularly during the exploration, help sell like the vibe and the menace of this world. And I think they're important, but at the same time, they begin undercutting the experience itself because like after they played their part, it becomes very like familiar video gamey, like, okay, now do it a million more times and show you've really got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what eventually turned me off of that game too, which I, I loved that game. I, it almost made my top 10 uh, a couple of years ago, because uh, again, yeah, exactly what you're saying. That vibe is amazing. The story is really cool, and I and I, I like when uh, super story heavy games do this well, right? I I, I liked what sort of Tacoma was doing uh, with. Uh, I mean, that was more story mechanics than it was traversal. They ended up getting rid of all the traversal stuff because, interestingly, it was getting kind of in the way of the story, which is man, uh, amazing how that happens. But yeah, the combat eventually, I was just like, I'm good. <laughs> it just wasn't, you know, terribly interesting after a while. So this is a really tough balance. Like, if you're going to put a lot of mechanics in your game, even if it's a very story-based game, they, they've got to feel really good and they've got to actually really support the theme. you got to kind of work on that level as well. So, yeah. Any other thoughts about uh, the final station? No, I was I was just thinking as you were saying that, though, I think the other thing these things are good at obscuring is maybe how little is there. Uh, like, sure. I'm thinking, well... Like a true immersive sim, like like anything from the arcane catalog, for instance. Like, yeah. there's tons of shit in that world for you to explore, and so even if you removed all like the, the uh, you know stealth stuff and all the threat from the environment, there's still a bunch of shit for you to go around and like look at and like uncover and reveal to yourself. Um, but also, those games are are massive and you know have a huge uh, like a huge amount of narrative content sort of poured into them. Uh, and even that feels like more than it probably is because there's all this, this stuff sort of leavening it out and sort of making it harder for you to acquire these little bits. Uh, and I think the final station, like, I think if you took away all that stuff, you'd realize, oh, it's just a series of, like, each station has, like, 
two or three interesting rooms and like one conversation, and that's all there is to the game. And so it's this it's this weird thing of like striking that balance of like how do you not bore the shit out of the player by having sort of your mandatory game elements uh, become deeply repetitive versus making the entire magic trick begin to pale. Yeah. God, that's not an easy question. <laughs> game design is hard. I, I want to hear a little bit about your experiences in Rome as well. I know that's a hard shift. It's a post-apocalypse, well, mid-apocalypse to uh, ancient times. Yeah, well, it's, uh, a, but, it's an apocalypse for somebody. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, somebody's not having a good day, yeah. right? Um, I don't know. It's So Rome 2 has been out like for five years, and they just released another massive expansion with like deep... Uh, like revisions to the way different systems work in that game. And so it's it's this weird thing of like I think 5 years ago that game was dog shit. And they have steadily like made it better and tried to like introduce new elements. And it's weird cuz we actually had this conversation 5 years ago on Three Moves Ahead. I actually like said at the time this game is fucked forever no matter what they do because after a point you cannot patch in design. And in the intervening five years, it's kind of like Creative Assembly going, like, hold my beer. Uh, and <laughs> Did the community reject the game? Or was it, oh, it's, or, or it's, you an outlier it's in? It's the biggest hit ever. Like, by far. Whoa. This is why oh. they keep releasing new expansions. Like, okay. in, like, view, like, view Rome 2 as, like, a platform that they control. Uh -huh. And it's got a massive install base that even dwarfs, I think, like, Warhammer. Um, why, why? 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 I don't. Fully know. Okay. Uh, there was like part of it is because it's not even Rome one; it's Rome two. Like, was Rome one a really big yes. release as well? And this was just like, oh, okay. So it was skating off of yeah, um, an already like good foundation. Yeah, like Rome one is the one where they moved to a three D engine. Like before that, it was all okay. sprites, and so Rome one to everybody right. was like the moment that like, holy shit, these Total War games are something. So it had that attraction. Uh, the other thing is. Uh, you know, and my colleague on 3MA, Troy Goodfellow, actually had a good point about this. He said that, like, Rome is a topic that everybody thinks they know a little bit about. And so <laughs> sure. it's just a thing that, like, you know, as opposed to Empire, which is about, like, you know, linear musket warfare in the 1700s. A lot of people look at that, look at that and they're like, I don't know, fuck all about that. Rome, people think, like, well, I've seen Gladiator. Like, I'm, I'm into that shit. Like, the legions. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so I think that was a big part of the appeal. They had a massive uh, marketing blitz behind it. At the time, it was a like serious leap forward in like graphical fidelity uh, in the game. So it was a commercial success, but also from day one, there were a lot of people who were looking at it being like, I don't know, it takes 20 minutes to like crunch through a turn. Like the game ran like dog shit, uh, where you'd like, you'd hit end turn and you'd have to like, you could read a book, like, and, and like, <laughs> uh, I did like read books while I was trying to like review that game because, like, oh, wow, yeah, like five minutes to like cycle a turn. The tur the games themselves are like three hundred turns, something like that. Like, oh, it's a my lot. God. Yeah, uh, and then just a lot of the game didn't work particularly well. There wasn't very much interesting that happened. Everything took forever. It was a big game, but not a great one. So Creative Assembly's solution to this was twofold. One was to aggressively patch and optimize. Um, and the other thing was through DLC uh, sets, create first more focused campaigns 
that didn't maybe run into the same problems as the giant sprawling, like all ancient history in one game uh, model of, of Rome 2, but also they introduced new mechanics in those campaigns. Which brings us to Rise of the Republic, which is like trying to tell the story of like early Rome, but also along the way change core things about how politics work in that game. And hmm. it's this weird, like, it's like a game trying to wear a costume of another game. Like, huh. uh, it's like a, it, but they, they basically, it seems like they've wrapped a sequel into expansions. Very much so, like partly that, but then also they're like trying to be like, we're a paradox game. Look at us. Like there is this political element that it, like the menus themselves are modeled almost exactly over the menus you get in Crusader Kings 2. And they're like, we can have these uh, interactions between family members and dynastic politics and there's plotting and you'll get that good, uh, you know, tragedy of Julius Caesar bullshit uh, where like, <laughs> you know, people are turning against uh, turning against your console and, you know, that won't that be cool. But the way it all ends up working is just you go into these menus and it's like, you're the only player. That's the thing. Like in, in Crusader Kings 2, every actor is like a little AI being that has its own agenda that it's pursuing. And in Rome, they aren't. They don't really have any of that like fictionalized inner life. But you interact with them as if they did. And so it's this weird, it's this weird system of like all these things that basically amount to keep these people from rebelling and like launching a civil war and it's like a dozen different buttons with different like thematic wrappings uh, around them that all accomplish the same thing it's a profoundly strange thing it's like ah i will send uh the wife of my consul to go uh like on a charm offensive and win over this political party i will press that button but then my son the prince will give a gift to this other political party member but those things both equal out to like, yeah, this faction likes you more. Like that's it. Like that's yeah. and because they like you more, your chance of there being a civil war like decreases. Mm. But none of those none of those characters are actually following an agenda. It's more just like they're um a meter that fills up, at which point they declare civil war and you have to go kill everyone. That's that's kind of it. And that's kind of their new innovation for uh Rise of the Republic is like introducing all these weird like dynastic politics that don't really do anything but like remind you of maybe more functional strategy games huh huh I, well, I, it keeps being the theme today of, of, of grafting mechanics onto uh, experiences that they don't want to be grafted onto i'm it's well, I, is, 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 is it is it possible that like a lot of these expansions are just them sort of experimenting in a way to figure out like what rome 3 should be mm. i think so uh there's definitely a history of creative assembly of like doing all their innovative work in the DLCs, like the, the major releases. Because then it's, in, in, in the same way, it doesn't like craft the narrative of the response to the game. It's like, oh, it's just an expansion. They're experimenting. But then it's like, oh, shit, this really worked. This worked really well. Okay, like we'll go make this like the core feature of the next big release, which seems like at this point, you know, that I don't know if it's around the corner, but it seems like, you know, five years later, they probably have to be pretty deep into figuring out what that, that third one is. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing that it looks like is uh, Three Kingdoms. Which is pretty much around the corner. Ah, okay. like, I mean, that's going to be where a lot of this uh, sort of gained knowledge is going to be used. Uh, but the mm -hmm. the weird thing is, like in the meantime, Rise of the Republic is its own DLC, but mm -hmm. 
But a lot of these systems I just described are now patched into the core game. So if you go and play Rome 2, the experience it was at launch, even the game design it was at launch, basically gone. Uh, and now you're playing like, it's very Paradox-esque, where it's like, okay, now you're playing the original game, but on the Rise of the Republic patch. And right. it has all this stuff. It's weird. Um, you know, somewhere along the way, I do not like, I, I, I tolerate this game now. Like, I'm okay with it. I don't really love it. Like, there's a lot of Total War games I, I like more. It is one of my most played Total War games because there are few Total War games that have forced me to come back again and again and be like, so are you good now? Am I going to like you? Is this going to be cool? And so, like, you know, there are, like, scores of hours into this game and pretty much all of them are me going around being like, Boy, I hope maybe maybe this is the one where like they did patch in design, and each time I'm like, yeah, it's a little better. Still kind of fucked up. <laughs> I mean, good maybe... for them for the commitment, though. I mean, you know, that's that, there's a commitment to try and I guess fix your failures. Dude, it's a huge game at this from point. a lot of games. Like, yeah, like right. if if you just if you did like Rome Two, you've got endless Rome Two forever that you can just play. <laughs> Endless Rome too. Uh, you know what? I saw Gladiator. Maybe, maybe uh, I'm into that shit. <laughs> uh, I think we should take a quick break, and then Natalie, I know you've got you've got some excellent missives uh, from from a very happy land, unlike many of these other worlds we've been visiting today. So we'll be right. Yeah, we will be right back. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. All right, Natalie. I am excited to hear about your life post-Hollow Knight and into a beautiful, happy world. Well, maybe. It's not the happiest world. I guess it's kind of you can find happiness too. in it. Is yeah. what I will say. Yeah, but there you go. The situation's pretty. It's bleak at the moment. Um, it's a I up. <laughs> went back to my Breath of the Wild save. Um, I after finishing Hollow Knight, I wasn't sure what to do with myself. Wait, did I, you finish finish Hollow Knight? I finished. We, we never. We, we I, thought about doing a spoiler cast for Hollow Knight, and then it just kind of got away from us. Did you? you did you? Did, you we should still do it. it? I really, okay. I really still want to do it. But now I, I need so to finish, many... finish it. You should finish, I've... finish it because I finished, finished it. Okay. And I've heard it's worth doing. It's Is worth, it worth doing. doing. Yeah. Okay. It's a fun fight once you get it. Okay. It's like what, like another like six or seven hours to do the last sprint, mm, or not even that much? Maybe. No, 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 no. Okay. It's really. Yeah, I don't want to spoil, but okay. The stuff I've heard that they, I've heard the lore dump is is worth it. Yeah. It's cool. Okay. All oh. right. It's cool. I got some flight. I get you know. I got some some flights coming up. So maybe yeah, I can... yeah. It's definitely. It's not like. I would say there's no like big obstacles 
that or like big challenges you have to like over. Oh, I just gotta I, collect some shit so actually, that I can just. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, there's oh, the White Palace, back. right? Yeah, there's the, there's white, the palace. white Palace. I forgot about that. But yo, I got if I have confidence in anything in myself, it's platforming games. So I'm sure it's gonna be hard, but I feel like I feel like I can do it. Yeah, and the I White Palace. Was, I, I, if I could do it. You could do it because I, I am not. That a was not what I was implying. I want to make it clear that is not what I was implying. Right. I just have, you know, like there are like very few things in like my repertoire of like playing games where I'd be like, yeah, like throw this at me and like I feel confident that I could get over yeah. it. And like platforming games are like the the one thing I can really hook onto. So I'm excited to could see it, it be because me? I've constantly heard from people like fuck the White Palace. Um, yeah, and so I I I do want to get I do want to check that out because I've heard it from multiple people. That yeah, being like the last major like yeah game saying like yo put together all the shit that we've been training you, but also in a way that maybe we haven't quite prepared you for. Exactly, Good luck. that's exactly what <laughs> it is. Post and Dead Cells Patrick is giving me an Icarus vibe. Just gonna put that <laughs> out there. I know. I want a hey, like, fly close. me to that sun, baby. I want I want to get close. <laughs> Truly. Um, there's also a, a side area in the White Palace that you should be sure to do that I... Which apparently, from what I understand, so yeah, you like hit a wall and then find like a secret area, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they patched that in. Like that wasn't in the original White Palace. No, like, they it just came put in, in with the, uh, one of the DLCs. I forget which one. Yeah, they're smart developers, that Team Cherry. Hollow yeah. Knight. Good video game. Very good, good, good video, video game. Very good video game. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack you. That's okay. Uh, I love talking about... I f- haven't been able to stop talking about Hollow Knight um, somehow. <laughs> so, finished, finished Hollow Knight, and I've been trying to figure out what to play next, and obviously Patrick did his week-long run of Dead Cells last week, and I was like, hmm, this could be it. This could be the next game I play. But then there was a little voice inside me that was like, Natalie, do you really want to hurt yourself over and over (laughs) and over again? Do you really want to be sad again and be mad again? And do you want to do that? And I was like, no. So I decided... I was like, what games do I have? I don't want to buy more games. What games do I have? And I have Stardew Valley... Which I played a little bit of. Um, I that's been like my bedtime bed, uh, my bedtime bed, <laughs> my bedtime it's game. It's your bedtime bed. It's that's nice. my bedtime bed. You know, you your got a food bed, you got a bedtime bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been playing that for bedtimes, and then I started uh, playing. <laughs> One thing I've been playing that I didn't mention is a phone game. That okay. I've been playing a ton. I feel of. like you're like oh, you, you, the way you're setting this up is like you feel guilt. Like yes. you feel like shame. <laughs> yes. Like the way I do you the, feel shame in in the, in the way you you reached up to this point. You thought halfway through maybe I just maybe maybe I, won't I talk should about never. This. I haven't told anyone that I've been playing this game. Oh no! The only person Please that knows continue. is my boyfriend because he sees uh-huh. it because I play it right before bed. This is my actual <laughs> bedtime game. Oh wow! Okay, so could, yeah, okay. Please continue. Uh, it's a game based on an anime. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> And I don't, I don't even want to say what it is. I don't want to say because oh, the anime is not great. The anime is not great. The politics of the anime, not. Oh great. my god, it's Fleet Girls. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Means. No, it's not. But I'm shocked. But Sword Boys. No, no, no. It's just like some big. Okay, you realize what is everyone it? else is going to figure <laughs> this out. Yeah. No, no. It's just <laughs> like I mean, too. it's not that the politics are bad. It's just some, you know. Big titty anime GF 
anime. Yeah. Okay. Which, you know, I'm like, it's fine. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just watching it for the, the lore. <laughs> Yes. What the, the fuck? The lore of is that what this is? That big titty lore is out there. How, how did the titties it. get so big, though? Yeah, That's exactly. the question. Like, That's what I'm watching this for. There was a mutation. There's got to be an explanation. Maybe I'll maybe in the next season. I'm really just doing a, a, a research study. Somewhere Austin is really upset. Yeah, like, he doesn't know why. Austin, Austin's he's ears are like coffee. burning, and he's yeah. just mad somewhere. He just spilled his coffee everywhere. What? Yeah. What? What's happening? Um, the diner just burned his toast. Yep. Um, <laughs> they did. Yeah. So I've been playing. I've been playing that. Um, which Are I'm, you really not going to mention what it is? I really don't want to <laughs> say because it's not great. It's Hang just on, great. She, she hasn't really narrowed it down. Titty. Like untitled what anime titty game. Problematic anime could it be. Big titty anime game. Untitled oh titty anime. Oh, that's that's what I'm putting in the show notes. You're getting. You're gonna get some things that are much helpful. worse than. Did I... you do it in, in incognito mode? Did you just mess up your search results? <laughs> oh God. no. Yeah, oh, no. you guys just really set yourself up for a fun Google Google suggestion for the next week and a half. Oh boy. Um. Okay, I'll tell you what it's called. It's called. Please. The anime is called. Is it wrong to pick up a girl in a dungeon? Wow! But I've been hearing I about heard, this. Yes, I have heard about this one. Is it? I don't know anything about it. Honestly, it's one season, and it's like a chill. I mean, it's about this guy. <laughs> His name is uh-huh. Bell, and yeah. he wants to save girls in dungeons. And he gets That's to the noble. dungeon, <laughs> and he a minotaur shows up. This is all in like the first episode, so I don't sure. care about spoiling it. A minotaur shows up. It's very like Sword Art Online, but if real life. So like, take the the game world of Sword Art Online and put it to okay. put make that just the world. So right, sure. these Natural. people like live in. There's like this huge dungeon tower in the middle of the town, and there's all these monsters in there, and there's all the gods, gods and goddesses exist like Hestia, uh, Demeter. Everyone's out here. And they basically came down from heaven because they wanted to hang out with the humans. And <laughs> they started these families of adventurers. So every god has a family and their family are like the adventurers that go into the dungeons. And then the dungeons get you money, which provide for your family and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so Bell Minotaur shows up when he's in the dungeon. Bell is extremely weak. He's not very good at adventuring. And... He's about to die. He's like, oh, this is it. The Minotaur. This is my deserved death. I can't believe it. And then uh, Ice Wallenstein, the sword princess, <laughs> shows up, uh-huh. who is like the best swordswoman in the okay. town. And she kills the Minotaur for him, and he gets covered in the Minotaur's blood. And he's looking at her, and he falls in love with her. And uh, so basically, it's a twist. Um, can it, she saves him anyway? Oh, it's whatever. The show is whatever. The show is like probably like a five well, out of is ten. Is it whatever? or Is it good? Like it's okay. You're you're in a you're in a safe space here. Is it good yeah. trash? Is it like delicious it's, it's trash? Like, it's like I wouldn't say it's delicious because I you know there's some tasty trash out there, but yeah. it's it's like fun trash I guess. The, I will say the fight scenes are really really good, like the action scenes between the adventurers and some of the monsters they face. There's some really good tension with that. Um, so I I enjoyed like a lot of the action. Um, 
it's extremely horny too, which I was just like, <laughs> I'm just gonna let this happen, and you know, you know, I we me and my wife get time to watch like one and a half episodes of a show on most nights. Tonight, you know what? I'm just gonna put this on. Just yes. see where it put goes. this on it's and on just see, right? see what happens. It's on Crunchyroll, yes. and Crunchyroll actually, I think, made the game for the anime. So that's how I found out about it because I followed Crunchyroll on Twitter, obviously, uh-huh. and they were like. <laughs> Uh, how to pick up sword? Uh, how to pick up sword art online? How to pick up girls in a dungeon? The game download now by Crunchyroll, and I was like, "Yup, slam that download button." <laughs> wow! <laughs> and so I've been playing that, and it's like a go- it's a gotcha game, but I haven't actually spent any money on it yet because I think I don't know. It's I'm still in early game, and I've been putting a lot of hours into it, so. Uh, but it still kept me coming back. I mean, you just like run through. It plays like the, the whole anime arc is in there. So like, as you're going through the story missions, like the whole anime arc story is in there, and it's based on a manga. I'm pretty sure. And so, but there's also like side characters that you didn't really get to know in the anime that are in the, <laughs> that are in the game. So just mm-hmm. you know, for the, the lore, oh, so lore, for the lore, the lore. You the are lore. playing it for the lore. For the okay. lore. <laughs> I'm gonna get that T. I'm gonna can I get a bumper sticker? Yeah, I really want that T-shirt <laughs> for the lore. For the lore. Um, so that's actually probably what I've been playing the most of. Um, okay. Wow. So you you essentially is you lied to Danielle. I about, did like, lie what to I want Danielle. To talk about sorry. The show. And then we we slowly extracted <laughs> the true story. I need to apologize. I apologize to you, Danielle. I didn't you know want what? to talk about my anime trash, but <laughs> hey, here sometimes. I am. Look, it's a safe space. We talk about our real feelings here. Thank sometimes you. we talk about very heavy shit on Waypoint Radio, and sometimes yeah. you know. And sometimes you just got to be honest with yourself and your friends. About the horny anime I'm watching. This fan art, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm anyway. glad we got there. So... I'm glad we got there. Speaking of horny anime, you're playing Breath of the Wild. Uh, yeah, not very. Not I, really. I don't know. There's some not horny really. stuff in that game. A little. Hey, bit. look, I've seen some Prince Sidon and some. Well, I was to say people are horny know. for parts of that game, but the game itself is not horny. You can right. find some horny shit in that you game. You can find a little bit of horny in that game, but it's not tiny, much. tiny, yeah. tiny, subtle. It's Nintendo. Tasteful. They're only going to give you a little bit. You got to kind of. Yeah, Waluigi's mm. not in it, so you know mm. it's not going to be it's as not hot. That much. Horny. Not going to be as hot as heavy as if Waluigi was here. <laughs> Exactly. Um, what, are you, what are you saying about Waluigi's weight? I'm not talking about his weight. I'm talking about oh. his presence. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right. I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. Um, safe space. It's a safe Rob, space. Rob is just staring off into the distance. <laughs> Rob oh, is like, what have I done with my life? Distance, <laughs> I want to know, Rob, I wanna know where Rob... about that Waluigi presence. <laughs> I want to know where Rob's Google searches have gone from here. During, yeah. He's been very quiet for the last couple of minutes. <laughs> I'm just signing up for Crunchyroll. What, what can I say? <laughs> good anime, Rob. It's a good one. You should watch it. Anyway, so I've been playing Breath of the Wild. Speaking of games and mechanics that do bad, this is one that does good. Yes. So oh. that's I was my like, segue. Oh, okay. Breath of the Wild hot take coming in. Actually, this game is trash. Oh, boy. No. Austin's thinking... not here. So finally, we can give our real Breath of the Wild takes. I was, thinking, I was thinking that whole time of what, my, what the segue should be for... Um, you know, bad bad mechanic meet game or bad feel between games and mm-hmm. mechanics. And I was like, but this good feel. 
So that was my whole segue that you I was thinking it. about that whole time. You know, there were some anime titties in between, but you did it. There you were. There. You know, I got distracted. You climbed by... the mountains. It's yeah. Cool. They yeah. big. They be big. <laughs> they be distracting everyone, apparently. Um, so I've been playing, I'm trying to talk about Breath of the Wild. I've been playing Breath of the Wild again. And at first I started a new save because I... When I first tried to get back into it, I was like, how the fuck does this game work? What are all these buttons? This game... Had you not finished it? No, I never finished it. Oh, okay. So last year, I put it at number one in my... Well, I put like 50 hours into that game, but I'd never sure. finished it. It's decent, um, So I I forgot... I put it, that game has so many buttons. I forgot <laughs> how many buttons that game has. The game has a lot of buttons. Um, so I started a new save so that I could kind of like do the tutorializing again and just get back into the feel without being up against like 10,000 moblins who want to eat my soul. <laughs> so I started a new save. I did the um, great, great, grand, great plateau area. And then I was like, all right, I'm ready. So then I went back to my old save and I was in Gerudo town. And the last time I played, I was very, very hesitant to do any story stuff. Um, because I just didn't want the game to go by too fast. So obviously, <laughs> uh, having spent so many hours in that game. So I was in Gerudo Town and I was like, uh, I really don't want to do this electricity bullshit right now. Like I just, this sucks. I don't <laughs> like being here. I did like a couple side quests. I did the, the sand snow boot side quest. So after climbing oh, yeah. that mountain, I was like, I'm done here. I need to go somewhere else. So I decided to go to the Goron town and do that. So I went over there, I did that, and I just, I forgot how hard the game is. I forgot that that game is hard sometimes, Mm -hmm. Um, which was really cool to kind of come back into after, you know, playing all these hard games this year, coming back to Breath of the Wild and having, it's a hard game, but there's there's another way of doing it. If it's too hard, there's another way of doing it that could be a little bit easier. And it's not like, I was thinking about this, it's not gating you. Like, in past Legend of Zelda games, like, they would gate you from areas by, like, just like literally, literally just gate, gate you. Yeah. Literally <laughs> just gate you. And the thing is, when you kind of enter an area that you feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be here, maybe I'm not strong enough, maybe I'm not whatever, like you can still kind of be there. Like, there's always, like, a way to work around it. And I just have such a appreciation for being able to not have to kill the boss in the one way that you have to kill the boss, like, in Bloodborne or whatever. Like, I mean, I know that there's, like, cheese strats in Bloodborne. I know there's, like, <laughs> other things you can do, but that's not the game. That's not the run I'm doing right now through Bloodborne. So... I just have, like, such a, I don't know, just such a relief to be able to beat things, beat hard things, and, like, it is truly a breath of the wild. Yeah. Well, well, (laughs) Brent, we just killed Patrick. He gave up. He gave up. Rob is still Googling Waluigi and anime titties. Go back to the crib, Patrick. just quit. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to go. Yeah. Y'all ever seen it take so bad that you need to go lay down in your kid's crib to go to sleep? (laughs) Um, God. So, yeah, it's been... No, go ahead. 
Go I was going to say, I really appreciate that, too. It's it's almost a little bit immersive simmy. It's the most immersive it's simmy, very of, immersive all, simmy. of all Zeldas. But yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, it's funny that you say that, because when I took that uh, narrative of, of immersive... Or, what, 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 uh, oh, I forgot the name. It's like of a class. Professor Sejong's Wild Sims, Ride. Right? Is that... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, with, God. uh, with Matthew Weiss, um, who's over at the Game Center. Um, yeah. Narrative Sim Immersion. What, what was it called? I'm gonna, this is gonna bother me. Anyway. It was a class in Immersive Sims. We talked right? about, yeah, yeah, it was a class exploring sort of the history of, like, narrative Immersive Sims. Um, and we talked about Breath of the Wild a lot. And oh, playing cool. that game again, it is such an immersive sim. I mean, just the consistency in the physics and the... I mean, this is not by no means a hot take. Lots of people have been saying sure. this for... Since it came out, but it's just cool. It's a good game. It's such a good, good game. I love that game. It really good is. Game. One I of the best. Love, I also love the horny anime game, but, you know, those are both? my tastes. Those are the two... <laughs> the two genders of Here's the game. Natalie's. Yeah. I'm the centrist in between horny anime games and Breath of the Wild. It is oh, me. God. Someone's got to take up the mantle. You know, it's a heavy weight, but you know. It is oh, heavy. Oh, that's beautiful. That's so it's very heavy. beautiful. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of us all. We've done good today. Yay for Austin's week out. <laughs> He's not coming back. When Austin's away, the horny anime will play. That's true. That should Not. be the title of this episode, actually. Well, that, it was well, going to be. That? It was I going to be. Know. I'm talking about his presence. That was going to be the title. I write down like possible titles as we go, but I feel like, well, Austin, we'll see if it fits. You know, I got to yeah. write that down. Feel if uh, it gets in those character count. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'll, I'll play with it. Don't worry. We'll get there. We'll get to a beautiful place. Um, I was going to do a question, but we're actually running a little bit over, so I think we should probably just go to waypoints. Because I'm sure everybody just, has uh, a good before, one. Before we get there, uh, yeah. I just want to mention, because oh, we didn't talk oh, about yes, Dead please. Cells. I have a lot oh, about yeah. some Dead Cells. I'm not going yes. to do, do the Dead Cells chat now, but if you, sure. Austin was on uh, a truly legendary stream last Friday. Oh, God, that Friday. stream was so uh, was good. So many ups and downs. And actually, you want to talk Emotional. about Emotional. Like, there, there's, there's lore that developed out of that run, our, our baby boy... <laughs> The great sword. Oh, it's just I'm, I've baby broadsword. I let him down. Baby broadsword. Broadsword. That uh, big we, boy. Oh, he was such a big boy. <laughs> he, he, so just big. He, just he just got so big. He just wanted uh, to be so big Go watch that stream. For you. Uh, if you you want to, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of high drama, and Austin and I talked through a lot of our thoughts on on Dead Cells. We'll sort of like reconvene when he's back next week, and we'll sort of like put, put a cap on that. But if you're looking for us to sort of chat about that game like a lot of that happens over the course of um that stream sort of the mechanic i mean the short version is is a really really fucking awesome game um and you should play it and even if you're not into roguelikes i think there's a lot that you can get out of dead cells uh even just uh, enjoying the the combat mechanics so yeah short version is dead cells is extremely good and go watch that stream which the archive is currently up on twitch and then it'll be up on youtube soon enough yep Um, there's uh one going up today day one so get started there will be yes. one going up every day this week. So if you want to relive the sort of anticipation just every day. <laughs> if you want to watch a pro gamer. You, yeah, there you go. The true gamer. The true gamer will emerge gamer over the course of that week. Gamer Nation, rise up. Hashtag R-Y-S-E. You know what? We all like that Xbox One launch game. <laughs> Actually, that game was all right. It was better than most people gave it credit for. Got a real Seriously. Order 1886 situation with that one? 
Oh, yeah. I never played that. I heard that game had really good Damn good, good game. Yeah, yeah. Really, yeah, I know. I kind of mean to go back to it at some point. Anyway. Waypoint Sorry, 101, maybe. One day. We'll see. You know, just putting that out there. <laughs> yeah, Waypoint 101. You know what? I, the game take. I don't usually do the Waypoint 101s because they take like 12 hours to like play those games. That was like, like a six-hour game, the, right? Or, yeah, the order is pretty, pretty short. I could probably fit that in. <laughs> nice. See? I'm See, down. there we go. We're, sometimes on the podcast, we do our best brainstorming. You know, tell Austin, we already figured out the next waypoint. It's the, the mediocre but kind of surprisingly good PlayStation 4 launch game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what if it's Vampire was condensed to just like five minutes? There you go. <laughs> Perfect. You go. Uh, all right. So, Rob, what's your waypoint? Oh, no, 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 no. You no? don't get to be like, I get to go last because I'm the host. You want Fine. To like- I'll go first. Yeah. I'll go first. You want me to go first? I'll go first. I watched the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus for the first time sounds- uh, on Friday. That sounds really familiar. What is yeah, what It is was that? Heath Ledger's final film. It's a Terry oh, Gilliam, wow. wild, weird, super trippy fantasy movie about a, a guy with psychic powers who kind of runs around in a carny roadshow sort of thing in modern in the modern UK. And uh, he and his daughter and their buddy, who's a young guy, sort of have this show. And uh, in the show, people can go inside the mind of Dr. Parnassus. He can, like, project them into, like, an astral realm where they experience their fantasies, basically. And Heath Ledger uh, plays this sort of con man guy who is has amnesia for half the movie, who sort of uh, gets involved. I won't... Spoil anything. It's a wild, trippy movie. It's a little bit of a mess, but I really, really enjoyed it. It was visually amazing. Uh, really, really kind of incredible. Reminded me a little bit of, um, well, it fits in very much with the sort of uh, adventure, was it Adventures of Baron something? Uh, that th- Wait. Uh, Manchurian, I think, Manch- and, uh, and Time Bandits. Yeah, okay. It kind of fits in with. Uh, those kinds of movies, and a little bit of Brazil, although less about uh, sort of the structural fucked up and bureaucracy of the world, and much more about kind of like making art for a world that doesn't care for your art anymore, in a lot of ways. Uh, And interesting thing about this movie, uh, Heath Heath Ledger died during the filming of the movie. The production of this movie is fucking fascinating. It's amazing. Just just go read the, if you don't watch the movie, read the Wikipedia article on how they salvaged this movie. It's incredible. From actually uh, not being released yeah yeah it's really really incredible how they do it uh very very briefly i I won't go into all of it but uh there's a lot of scenes where because it's happening in a sort of astral projected realm uh heath ledger's character is played by various other sort of hollywood superstars like johnny depp and jude law and uh colin what is his name farrell yes colin farrell uh sort of take on his role and they actually didn't they weren't credited. I mean, they're obviously super, super uh, recognizable superstars, but they didn't, uh, they weren't credited in the movie and they gave apparently all their earnings to Heath Ledger's daughter. Uh, they sort of worked for free and, and again gave their earnings uh, uh, to her, which is kind of cool. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating movie. Uh, again, wow. a little bit of a mess, but I really loved it. Uh, I really, really enjoyed what it was doing. Uh, so that's my waypoint. It's from about, oh God, like nine years ago. Yeah. Has it been that movie, long? Yeah, it's it's been a while since. What is yeah. time? I, that movie actually asked that question in a lot of uh, interesting ways. <laughs> uh, but uh, speaking of time, I suppose, uh, who wants to go next? Uh, I can. All right. Uh, I will uh, recommend. Um, 
I, I am generally uh, anti-horror uh, television because okay. I don't think it works in the medium very well due to commercial breaks. Uh, I think it, like, often uh, horror requires tension over, like, an extended period of time. Uh, and, like, television, by its very nature and the fact that you can't control the kind of commercials you're going to get end up, like, really breaking, like, the immersion of, like, being in a world like that. So uh, I think, like, horror, like, television works best when it's, uh, you know, something like, uh, like, uh the Asterisk, Evil Dead, or whatever that, like, television series that they did, where it's more comedic, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. more of a horror flair to something that's a little more lighthearted. Um, seems to work better in TV. But um, that's not true if you're, like, watching it without the commercials. And uh, I had heard over time that the Exorcist television series was actually surprisingly good. I had written it off because why would a, why would you make a television series based on The Exorcist? Like, that just doesn't... Like, it just seemed exploitative, and that it was Fox looking on the shelf. Hmm... I don't know. We own the rights to that. Like, <laughs> go, go, like, The Exorcist, you know, uh, d- didn't need a television show. And so I sort of just kind of wrote it off and, and ignored it. Because Fox has, like, a weird history. Like, I don't like a lot of the stuff on Fox that is, like, the genre work because it tends to be pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. But I had heard from enough people that uh, you should check it out. And I recently signed up for Hulu with no commercials because Castle Rock was on there. And uh, so me and my wife watched a couple episodes of The Exorcist television series. And it is, it is really really good it is it is it is extremely well done it is scary it is tense i highly recommend getting the hulu version without commercials it's only a couple dollars more um uh because uh i mean the breaks in hulu are are, aren't that bad but like it's worth the extra couple bucks to like just remove that as as an element of surprise um but yeah it does like it draws out an exorcism in the way that i was not expecting you know it does a lot more family drama and uh, in a way that feels very natural like it gets a lot of like the politics of like the church and it's just it's surprisingly well done and and i highly recommend checking it out i've heard the second season is better than the first season i've heard it has a problem where it ends on a cliffhanger and it was canceled Ooh. so oh. that's a frustrating part of watching the show but yeah. uh you know four episodes in uh and there are only 10 episodes it's also my problem with like shows that show up on like main mainstream television it's like it's got to be 23 episodes and you know it ends up ruining a lot of stuff like that but it's not episodes it's really tight uh and i i it's genuinely scary so i i actually highly recommend the exorcist television series uh and you can stream it on hulu hell yeah one day i'll uh i'll have to ask you to uh to watch channel zero and see what you think of it Speaking we of i watched TV. the first couple episodes of the first meet meet the one with the stairs that go into the sky yeah we watched that the first episode of that. Really liked it. Just, didn't, yeah. just haven't gotten back around totally, to it. Totally, totally. It's also on Hulu, I think. I think so. Yeah. I think I just got it on Amazon, but yeah. That one's... Yeah. Sorry. No, you're I right. did it's a double. I did it's a double. Amazon Prime. Sorry. Yeah. So excited about horror. Um, all right, Rob, are you ready? Yeah. Um, right. Ooh, Channel Zero looks cool. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, cre- it's a creepypasta uh, television series. series. Yeah, there's three like series already. Legends. I think the second one's the best, but I'll stop. I'll stop. That's for another day. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, yeah. So uh, this weekend, you know, it was. I mean, first of all, it was like a gray and rainy weekend uh, for the first time in ages. Like the heat broke, uh, so that meant it was time for uh, like old black and white movies uh, to an extent. Yeah. Like uh, like preferably suspense <laughs> yeah. movies. Uh, so I, I I fired up. Uh, I, you know, I decided let's watch. Let's have a good old time. Let's watch Gaslight. Uh, directed yeah, by George Cukor right. and starring Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer. And uh, it is indeed a it's, it's it's a good movie. It was a lot of fun is the wrong word, though. It is a deeply uncomfortable movie. 
uh, uncomfortable because it is such a good portrait of like a shitty manipulative uh, marriage and the dynamics uh, at work in it. And because like, you know that like a lot of stories like this, the text is going to be or was somewhat misinterpreted by its audience who view it as like, ah, it's the movie where like the husband tries to convince his wife like she's going insane so he can like do whatever the fuck he wants. But like really the means by which he does that are all these like familiar tropes of like <laughs> things that bad couples and particularly men like do thoughtlessly in relationships routinely, right? Just like the entire conceit of this movie is um, – Ingrid Bergman was a child in the care of like this famous opera singer uh, in like late 1800s London. And she was strangled by like a serial strangler, but nobody knows why. And like, there's never any resolution to the case. Uh, But she goes off, she leaves London behind her and she tries to take up opera singing. But along the way, she ends up falling in love with this pianist, uh, Charles Boyer. And uh, they get married and he's like, I've always had this dream of like living in a beautiful English uh, townhouse. And she's like, well, I, I have one. Uh, it's the one where my aunt was murdered. But what the hell? Let's, it's, it's your dream. Let's make a go of it. And from the minute they get there, like the guy turns on a dime and starts gaslighting. Uh, and the, it gets his name from the fact that like routinely uh, – the lights in the in the house just all go down and she's the only one who notices. And when they go down, that means like somebody has opened up a gas valve somewhere else. Like someone is in another room at night uh, using the light and nobody else notices. And she keeps saying like, Hey, this is happening. But everyone thinks, well, she's already like, there's this history of fabulism. And like, he's going around telling everybody like, you know, she's, she's very unwell. She can't, and it's uncomfortable because it is like Ingrid Bergman turns in a hell of a performance in this movie down to like all the ways she begins to second guess herself in like really convincing uh, ways. Like she comes across very well as not a broken person, but someone who's been made deeply insecure by the feeling that she's always going to do something wrong and cause everything to turn against her it's very uncomfortable but it's also like really richly atmospheric in the way movies of that period are it's all london fog and charles boyer plays this like well it doesn't have a mustache but if he did it'd be long and twirly uh so like you know he like plays up his accent so that the like you know the way he speaks to her even becomes like uh this almost like crack of doom where he's like bola you're imagining things <laughs> And, like, it just keeps getting more and more sinister. Um, And then Joseph Cotton is, for some reason, there, uh, just to be a handsome, charismatic uh, American (laughs) working for Scotland Yard to uh, sort of ride to the rescue. But it comes to a really... it's, It's a movie about the ways that people do not listen to women the way women, the minute they are married, become like stripped of all their power and agency and like societal convention basically puts her in the keeping of her husband, even though in terms of social status, economic status, like Bergman's character brought everything to that table, but he is still like her master and the master of the house. Um, And then the ways that he manipulates also like the class system to further isolate her. Um, It's, 
an interesting movie. I think where it really falls down, and I think you'd make a really different one if you made it today, is that she gets a little bit of catharsis. But and it's still worth watching because of the performances and because of the because just the overall vibe. But what she doesn't do is like any kind of saving of herself. And yeah. I think you'd probably like just want that resolution if you're making the movie of the day. Uh, but more to the point, I think you don't even setting aside the agency, you don't necessarily get even a lot of like her realizing that all of this has happened. Like she does by the end, but she's second guessing herself almost until the last frame of the movie. And you're kind of sitting there waiting for her to be like, put all the pieces together and like have that usual suspects moment where it's like, wait, this was all fucked up from the start. And the movie doesn't quite deliver that. And instead it sort of foregrounds uh, Joseph Cotton's character. Um, The other thing I'll say about this movie, fantastic men's leisure wear uh, of the 1800s. (laughs) Like if you like smoking jackets, like this movie's got you covered. There are some questionable ones as well, but overall like beautiful. Nice. Fascinating <laughs> contrast with uh, My Fair Lady from last week, too. But both George uh, Cukor. Yeah. Very, very yeah. interesting. He's, yeah. he's a really, I think he's also Philadelphia story, too, right? Yes, pull he that is. Up. So Cukor's an interesting one. Um, so he was a uh, closeted gay director in yep. uh, classic Hollywood, uh, but became known, I think, perhaps because like he had that reputation as being a great director for women. Uh, Catherine Hepburn loved to work Melodramas with Melodramas that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And he makes good movies, but a lot of his movies also have a weird... Like, Philadelphia Story is the really clear one. Philadelphia Story is a deeply misogynistic movie. That is a movie that is literally about, like, man, Catherine Hepburn's just a fucking bitch who doesn't know her place and, like, literally opens with, like, Cary Grant just, like, throwing her to the ground. And that is a movie that's, like, haha, <laughs> awesome, real battle of the sexes here. And that's, like kind of George Cukor's baby, and that was a really popular movie. Um, so it's weird. Like, on the one hand, you get, like, sort of a proto-feminist work like Gaslight. But then you also get the Philadelphia story, which is 100%, like, basically justifying why women don't get believed, why women, like, get shut down and controlled. He's... <laughs> it's a problematic body of work. Uh, yes. But it's an interesting one and one that provides some interesting insights into the changing gender politics of the era. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always so excited when you bring up classic movies because uh, that was such my bread and butter for for a very long time. So, Well, you can watch it on Filmstruck. Uh, so it's cool. a service that I'm coming around to more and more. Like the film transfers are real good. Um, it's It's a blast. Nice. Thank you. All right, Natalie, I'm letting you have the last word because you brought such such beautiful, you know, anime titty discourse to this podcast. So, what, oh, what is no. you, what is your way? Point? Is that what I'm going to be known for? Is that You're be known my for place many in the podcast now? Many, um, many things. Oh, so many geez. things. There is always a lighthouse. There's always a Danica. <laughs> <laughs> there must always be a Danica. Yeah, oh just... no. <laughs> um. That's funny that you watched that this weekend, Rob, because I watched The Aviator this weekend. All right. Yeah. Which I didn't finish. I watched two movies this weekend. I didn't finish either of them. <laughs> the first was The Aviator because it was so fucking long. 
very and long. depressing and honestly just its depiction of OCD was a little too like wow that that could be me if I wasn't taking the things I take every day but yeah. the other thing that I watched this weekend in deep contrast which was Mamma Mia oh um, yeah all right which I also did not get to the end of um but that was I I tried to get my boyfriend to sit through through the whole movie and he's not a musical fan. The, the first one or the one in theaters right now? Just first to... one. I have okay, gotcha. I, I was watching the first one to prepare myself for Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Here We Go Again. Okay. Um <laughs> so I was watching the first one and uh Ben checked out after like probably like 30 to 45 minutes. He like went to go do work, so it wasn't just like he was, you know, okay. whatever. All right. And then when I got like 45 minutes in, I was like, oh, God, this is so cringy. God, <laughs> how do I make it through this? This is just everyone's dancing. I hate this so much. Why? Okay, here's my question. This thing was really yes. popular. My parents got super into it. It was a, it was a breakout hit as, as musicals go. What's yeah. it actually about? Like, what's cringy about it? Like, it's just ABBA okay. songs, right? Like, what's the so, framing? The ABBA songs are great. It's about... I've seen the movie before. Yeah. So, I just this just this watch, I didn't finish it. But basically, Meryl Streep is Donna, who is a hotel owner on this tiny little island in Greece. And the hotel is, like, you know, decrepit, it's falling apart, whatever. Donna has a daughter named Sophie who's getting married at the age of 20 years old. And Sophie is getting married because she feels like she needs to stay with her mom, Donna, and stay. So she wants to get married. She wants to settle down and stay on the island with her mom and take care of her mom. Sophie's never met her dad. Sophie found the, the story opens up with Sophie finding a diary of her mom's. About a summer, 20 years ago, in which Sophie, remember, is 20 years old. A summer 20 years ago in which Donna had three summer flings. And uh, so the whole story is about, basically, Sophie contacts these three men. Wait, does she think they're her dads? Yes. Okay. She contacts these three men. Invites them all to the wedding. Doesn't tell her mom. Her mom sees them. Drama ensues. And I forget which one Classic ends up being Sophie. the real dad. Yeah, <laughs> Classic, Classic Sophie. Sophie. And I forget which one. It's funny because all of them have, like, traits that, like, no shit. Sophie identify. <laughs> like, like, there's, like, three distinct archetypes of, like, dude that, like... <laughs> well, first of all... You gotta you gotta say the actors who play them because I feel oh, like yeah. that's it's, part uh, of it. Oh yeah, it's Pierce Brosnan, um, uh, fucking, what's his name? Yeah, that guy, and fucking Colin, your Colin boy, Firth. Colin Firth. <laughs> so, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> Pierce is extremely hot. So is Colin. Uh, ah, yeah. not sold on the third guy, but I see the appeal. Scarscars <laughs> are like a, a type. Yeah, he's a you type. Know. Um. So, yeah, and then I forget what happens next. But basically, at one point, they're all like, oh, are we the dad? Have you ever met? One of them was like, where is your father, Sophie? And Sophie's like, he could be here. I don't know. And then they're like, 
huh? And then they all kind of are like, I'm the dad, I'm the dad, I'm the dad. And then I forget what happens next, but <laughs> that's where I cut off when everyone was like, I'm the dad. So that's where I was like, eh, I'm good. I don't need to know. <laughs> Do you remember? I'll probably finish it. I don't remember. I don't remember who the dad is. I don't remember what happens. But I, the last thing they said was that they're all walking her down the aisle. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out. I'm sure there will be some... Probably humorously. Humorous <laughs> quarreling that goes down with a, a, paired with a great ABBA song. So, but is it um, is it just like is it just cringy because it's like so by the numbers or is it like the cringy is like the over the top sort of like reaction acting in the like oh like I don't know I just did a big <laughs> motion with my arms but you also or, heard the voice so that it'll it'll play it'll play yeah I think. yeah uh uh it's like that it's like whoa am I gonna fall <laughs> off this roof no I'm fine and then it's like oh yes I did I don't know it's just like that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also it. like uh just the musical numbers I don't know I'm I don't know I just I hate seeing like 30 people dance in unison just cringes me out. Why did you watch your music? <laughs> Jesus. I got terrible news just, for you about that genre. I love this. Yeah. I just wanted to watch some good vibes. I wanted to watch some good vibes. I just wanted, it was like the same thing with Breath of the Wild. I just wanted some like nice, you know, good vibes. And then, yeah. I don't know. I got sad because I missed my mom and then it was just too much. Oh. I couldn't do it. And then the yeah. dancing, I just, no, I couldn't do it. So I'll say this. Like, I think The Aviator's fine. I think there's some good stuff in it. It's pro- it is really fucking long. It's from the uh, Scorsese and DiCaprio's Quest for an Oscar uh, collection. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I was, yeah, wow. Which they got for the weirdest one. Yeah. It's, though DiCaprio, anyway, DiCaprio is very good in The Departed, I would say. Yeah. But uh, The Aviator's fine. But there's no day in which I would not rather just watch The Rocketeer, which I think is largely a really similar movie in terms of beats, but, like, way more fun. So Mm. happy. I'll have to bring that up. I may not make an honest buck, but at least I ain't a two-bit Nazi. Yep. Best line. The patriotic mafiosi. Best line from The Aviator. (laughs) Best line from that movie. Wow. Thank you, Natalie, for taking us on that journey. That was a very very fun journey to go you know, on i love to tell you. stories of other stories that already exist i know it was really good i'm a retailer it was fun that was super fun i really enjoyed it. it's like the streaming of a, of movies like you know and you i'm netflix you are yes it's perfect all right everybody uh i think that's gonna pretty much do us for today mama mia uh, that's what mario here says we go again sometimes here uh, we go again <laughs> If you have questions, please send those uh, to gamingatvice.com with the subject question. We are on Twitter at Waypoint. Uh, We are on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We are on Twitch uh, at twitch.tv slash Waypoint. Sorry, this is written a little little differently. I keep my show notes a little different. These are Austin's show notes. So I'm just telling you what's going on here. Where can people find you online, Patrick? At Patrick Klopik. Awesome. How about you, Rob? At Rob Zachney. How about you, Natalie? At Natalie Watson. Fantastic. You can find me at Danielle R.I. And, of course, we always do the shout-outs to Bowen for uh, the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. You can find out more about Bowen at waypoint.zone slash 
B-O-E-N, and you can also read everything we write at Waypoint. Oh, Did it. Did it. We got through it. We got through Monday's podcast, everybody. Thank you so much, and I always will remind you to be good and be good at it. Peace. We tried to retire the horny. <laughs> like, and I thought we had. I thought we had. And then comes bouncing back Austin's along with here. Natalie. Just here Austin's we go. Austin's not here. I can't not do it. I'm oh, sorry. yeah. Breath of the Wild, huh? I've been playing some of that. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.